I'm wrestling, you're not weak for me. Celebrate what I am. Celebrate what I have been. Celebrate what I represent. And celebrate the many ways I have impacted your life. I will survive this test as I have survived others. I am forever etched into the very fiber of all mankind. The world needs me. Time is on my side. History guarantees me. I am wrestling. Do not wait for me. What's up, everybody? This is Ben Askren. I'm with Tommy Rowlands. This is the T-Row and Funky Show. Episode number 15, sponsored as always by Defense Soap, Defend What You've Built. I have seen them everywhere lately, just everywhere. And we have a special guest today, Jordan Burroughs, who will be calling in just a few minutes. But Tommy, you got anything for me before we get him on? No, man. Good good weekend to wrestling. I'm sure we'll talk about plenty of it uh, after after Jordan hops off the call. But we're happy to have him on the call. And um, I got so much to talk about. Yeah, we got plenty to talk about I mean, tonight. It's, there's been obviously all these matches, but then there's been a, a lot of this drama around the NWC oh, yeah. Jules event, too, which, um, you know, I tried to listen to every other podcast. I listened to Jason Bryant's. I listened to the Flow ones. I, try, I tried. What I tried to do, Tommy, was gather all the facts. Because, you know, I, there's nothing more I can't stand than someone giving a very strong opinion when they don't have all the facts. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I don't have all of them, but I tried to gather as many as that were available to me. You try to be as informed as you can is what you're telling I tried me. Try to be as informed as I can. And I think, uh, yeah, this NWCA situation, which we're going to talk about, is uh, it, it's super interesting. And I got a, I got a lot of opinions on it. Um, but I don't want to get too deep into that conversation and then have Jordan come on and have to like stop it and then restart it in a couple minutes. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic, but I tell you what, I don't think there's been this much at least political buzz around the national duels in quite some time. So I mean, we will dive deep into it after we have Jordan on the call, but you know, it's it's plenty of ways to look at this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, so there has been a lot of hype, a lot of talk, which I guess is uh, that's exactly what you want, anyways. Um, so you know, we were all there's also international wrestling this weekend, which that that's what Jordan really wants to talk about. He's an international wrestling guy. Um, the man who beat you up, Kyle Snyder. <laughs> what, that, are, what are we now? <laughs> fifteen or twelve, uh, fifteen or something? Well, you know what? Actually, someone had just reminded me that I hadn't brought this. Uh, Hadn't brought this up recently enough, so they said you have to bring it up again with Tommy. I can't. I, I mean, I'm never gonna. If I ever go in back in there to try to redeem myself in some way, shape, or form, I'm not letting you know about it. That's for uh, sure. But okay. But anyways, he let, he wrestled Gatsalov, which is interesting because Gatsalov is a, a legend of the sport, someone who won titles at an early age, kind of like Kyle did. Um, so I thought that was an interesting match because it's kind of like old guard versus new guard type of mm-hmm. match. I mean. There's not a lot of people in, in the world of freestyle wrestling who are more credentialed than than Gatsalov. It just no. You can probably count him on your hand. Well, he's five. Is he five time gold medalist? I, I want to say more than that. Hold on. There's. Uh, I'm going to Wikipedia him, but uh, I okay. want to say it's more than five. I want to say maybe five worlds and two Olympics. Also, no, he's got he's won Olympics. I know that. Okay, so he's got his name is. Have you seen his first name? Kazimurat. 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 Kajimarat Gatsalov. Wow, and he was even the flag bearer for them at the Olympics last time. You know, you want to know a funny story? I wrestled Gatsalov. Okay, wait. Let me let me total stuff for you. He has 
One Olympics, one, oh, two, hey, three, four, hey. five worlds. What's up? We got a little bit of an issue here. This is kind of embarrassing, but Burrow says he needs it needs Skype credit to call us. No, tell him to call on the cell phone. Oh, call from his cell phone. Yeah, call from his cell phone. Okay, my bad. We got yeah, him. Yeah, no worries. We had that problem last week, but yeah, just tell him to call from his cell phone. So Gonzalo's got one Olympic gold, five world golds, a world silver, and a world bronze. Eight-time world medalist, uh, and three European championships. So I mean, that's. That's up there with the best ever. And uh, and Kyle got to wrestle him. It came up short this time, but obviously it probably won't be the last time that Kyle gets a shot at him. Um, definitely not this year or ever. Well, yeah, he's, you know, I, I personally think Schneider's doing a great job this offseason. Yeah, he's not winning tournaments, but he's he's hanging up medals in every event he goes in Eastern Europe. And if you follow international wrestling close enough, you'll realize that that's pretty unique. Very unique. And you know who another one is? Um, Another Buckeye, Logan Steber. Well, there's Jordan right there. So let's just, okay. let's just get into what he wants to get into. Got it. Hello. What's up, Jordan? What's going on, my man? Oh, nothing. Tommy and I were actually, we just got talking about international wrestling because we know that's what we want to talk about. Awesome. Good hey, hey, Jordan, what's up? Thanks for coming on today, brother. I mean, no problem, man. How you doing, bro? I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. We're, we were actually um, just talking about the Minx Belarus tournament the medved tournament i think you've been there before and uh we were going through actually the two medalists or at least we were talking about the two guys our buckeyes i had to bring that up but uh (laughs) mr schneider and mr steber ben go ahead and and you know what if if, i want to get started i want to get started yeah let's go talk about the tommy you know how i always give you shit about the the kyle snyder thing yeah all the time well Jordan actually provided me with ammunition. The guy that Jordan did this to, I've been giving him crap now for a decade. So don't think I'm done with the Snyder thing. So, so Jordan, actually, one of the topics I wanted to bring up with you is, and I'll start it off by, the guy works for me. His name is Josh Wagner. He was ranked sixth in the country, and this skinny punk freshman comes out and double legs him seven times. And we're like... You know, and literally, we're thinking this guy's going to All-American, we're in the national title hunt, and he gets double A seven times. And we're like, what in the, what the hell's going on over there? I mean, like, I'm legitimately pissed. You know, this guy's supposed to All-American here in two weeks, and he's getting double A seven times by some skinny freshman. So, uh... Oh, that was great. That was great. Great times, man. I remember <laughs> that vividly, actually. Josh Wagner. Uh, I wrestled him multiple times after that. Yeah, he he say, somewhat kept it a little closer after that, but that, that was brutal. So I always give him crap about getting double like seven times with a freshman. But um, I, I've got to watch you very closely since you were a freshman in college. Since that match, I've been following you. Um, and one of the things I said to Tommy that I, I got to ask you this, because I've never really had an in-depth conversation with you, is, but... I have never seen someone over such an extended period of time continually approve at such a rate. I mean, you know, from that year to the next year to the next year to the next year, all the way through all these world championships, you've been getting better and better and better every year. And it's, and it's somewhat impossible, but you've done it. Um, so give, give us the secret, man. Give us the gold. Well, what is it? What's the trick? Uh, it's, that's an interesting question, dude. Um, because a lot of people ask me that. Like, how do you become who you are in such a short period of time? I, I just think back to my freshman year. Like, I was 16 and 13, my true freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. I went one and two at NCAAs, finished third in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. But then you're kind of – you you were really, really tough that year. 
But you know what? I guess you were definitely coming around. I remember you got a bad draw too because you lost to Matt Storniolo, who was the number two guy in the country in the Wrestlebacks, which was a, a, a tough draw for you. I had the number one seed, so I wrestled the number one and number two seed within three matches. Oh my god! I think it's a worst draw in history. I'd be I'd be interested to see if anyone could find a worse draw. Like, has it that ever happened anywhere? Did you have the one seed? Did you have the one seed on the front side, Jordan? Yeah, I had Dustin Slater in my very first match on the front side. He's oh, the number one champion. Got beat three to two, fell back, beat a guy in, um, from Columbia. I think it was Matt Dunn from Columbia in the Wrestlebacks in the second round. Matt Storniolo had got upset in the first round by Matt Coughlin from Indiana, so he dropped down. I wrestled Storniolo and lost in overtime. Oh, my gosh. So three matches, uh-huh. number one and number two seed at 149, and I was done, Ski. I was going and, home. And that was your true stand. freshman year? That was my true freshman year, yes, sir. Wow. Okay. And then, wow. and then yeah. you come back as a true sophomore. Or did you redshirt after that? No, I came back as a true sophomore, and I went thirty-four and six my sophomore year. I went five and one at NCAs and finished third in the nation. Toughest weight class in history. Ah, forty-nine. Yeah, ah. a lot of studs. Let's see, lot let of me studs. go through them. I got them for you. you. Got Metcalf. You got Bubba Jenkins, Darian Caldwell, um, yourself. Dustin Schlater. Was Palmer in there? Lance Palmer. Torella. Torella. Gillespie. Yup, I think so. No, um, no, I'm, Gillespie wasn't in there. Oh, he, he went up O'Connor. by then. He went up. Okay. P. O'Connor and Gary and Caldwell. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. So, you've got countless national championships. You've got a couple runner-up finishes. You've got, obviously, well teams from Metcalf and myself. You've got Olympic gold medals, world championships. Um, Schlater was on a world team too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and, and Slater was on a world team. So you got three world team members there: Slater, Burroughs, Metcalf. Metcalf was a runner-up. Palmer was a runner-up. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sold. National champion. Slater was a national champion. Metcalf was a two-timer. Caldwell was a national champion. Bubba was a national champion. JP O'Connor was a national champion. Like. It's Jeez. the best. You can't. You can't find anything better than that. Like it's, no. it's impossible. Mm-hmm. That was uh... so. So to answer the question, Jordan, you know, I mean, it, it is interesting because you, you know, over the past, I don't know, maybe it's eight or nine years, you literally vastly improve every year. So what? What is it that's that's inside that's uh, keeping you going like that? I'd say a massive competitive spirit. Um, I think it was really trial by fire for me as a young man. I never was cater to I never was nurtured I just was thrown to the wolves and so I had to really progress or or get eaten you know it was like you throw a kid into the deep end and see that you drown or you learn to swim and so I just remember you know that freshman year going through the tough trials wrestling the number one and number two seeds at the NCAA tournament my sophomore year being in one of the toughest weight classes in the country my junior year at 157 I beat three national champions mm-hmm. in the same season my senior year, I came back and I tore my LCL and PCL, so I had to sit out the rest of the season. But then that gave me time to, to recollect and refocus and regroup and prepare for freestyle and go up a weight class. And so then it was like, all right, I got bigger fish to fry. Not only do I want to win the NCAA championship, I want to be the best in the world. And so how do I reach that point? I'm training beyond what anyone in the wrestling room is doing and what my opponents are doing. You know, for me, it was always about being the best man in every tournament, not just standing on top of the podium. And that kind of translated to a lot of success. And so now I'm at this point where I've won everything. I've done it all. 
but if I'm still in it, then I want to win it. If I'm going to put my shoes on and step out on the mat to compete, I want to be the best that's in that wrestling room or in that facility, in that venue, in that arena. And that, that drives me, dude. That that's really awesome, man. Me. So, um, so I got to let me say something. Okay. So, yeah. so I, you know, but I got so many questions. Tell me. I know. I know. We, we, we want to maximize <laughs> our time here, but you know, and, and I got to I got to say, Jordan, I, I consider myself to be a supremely competitive person and still am to this day, even though I'm not a competitive wrestler. I just, you know, channel that energy in other aspects of my life. But, you know, I do think that, that, you know, it, it's really unique because it, it's hard to imagine maintaining that, that competitive fire as a world. If you were able to reach the pinnacle of the sport, which is World Olympic Championship, it's, it's unique to me. I remember. When you came out, uh, you graduated in 2011. I was kind of in the, you know, the the the, the finishing months or years of my career, and you, your sure. Twitter account was all I see is gold. And I remember thinking, and I didn't, and I wasn't judging by any stretch, but I remember thinking, sure. does this guy even know what he's saying when right. he says all he sees is gold? Um, because because it's so freaking hard. There's been a lot of two-time NCAA mm-hmm. champs with the Hodge Trophy that that weren't able to damn it, Tommy, do, stop do what you've done. <laughs> I didn't even meet. You know what, Ben? That wasn't even <laughs> personal. But but I guess you're you're good good evidence. You know, I'm I'm evidence. Oh, I shit, get a it's hard to win a world title. You know, Jordan. Did obviously you were serious about what you know your 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 view or your vision of what you wanted for yourself. Yeah. But but I do think it's rare error to win the worlds and Olympics and still maintain that fire and. um I guess I got to compliment you, but it's it's unique. Thank I mean, you. I think I think people probably saw it in John Smith. Um, you know, Kale he won and then had to, had to back out. So, do you think that there's something? You know, what do you think that there is? There might be different than maybe myself or 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 even Ben. I mean, it's it's you know, you win the World Olympics and then you're you're still you're still hanging up titles. You still seem supremely motivated and i just think that's pretty rare i, I was hoping maybe you could give some answer that i've never heard before you know instead of yeah. saying i, I want to hang up another one but it must just be that fun huh absolutely i do enjoy it i do enjoy what i do and i feel the pressure and the expectation of the world rest upon my shoulders but it's what it's much bigger than me like i talk about all the time this is much bigger than me uh, when I step out there and compete, I give my family, my friends, my supporters an opportunity to come along for this journey. They live vicariously through me, but I receive a lot of the blessings because of it. And so for me, it's it's an awesome opportunity. I've been blessed with a tremendous skill set, but the work ethic has come through just years of hard work, sharpening skills, and having a lot of people around me who believe in me and encourage me. And so someone tells me, listen, bros, I'm telling you, you're capable of being the best wrestler in American history, the best guy to ever strap on a pair of shoes and wear stars and stripes on his back. And I believed it. I truly believed it. Before I even had the opportunity to do these things, I believed that it was possible for me to win. I believed that I hadn't won because I just hadn't wrestled these guys yet. Do you feel, do you feel, do you feel more pressure now or less than maybe in 2011 and 12? Like, is there, is there a difference? It was nothing. It meant nothing to me in 2011. I, I had no perspective because I had never done it. I was just out there wrestling folk style with freestyle rules. I, I, I didn't really know much about the sport. I didn't know who the stars were. I didn't know what to expect, what was coming my way. So 
I was just out there wrestling, but now there's a ton of pressure, dude, and I, I feel it. I feel a tremendous pressure, but I'm able to separate my emotions from my performance. I think the key to my wrestling success is being able to separate my feelings from the way I perform. Um, just having a high ability to forget, never getting rattled, never getting overly emotional, never allowing the pressure and the circumstance to overwhelm me. And that's really been helpful for me in my career. But yeah, it's tough. It's tough sometimes. Cause I, I know regardless of how I perform it, it's hard to outdo what I've already done. And so if I don't tech fall or, or pin every guy, people are like, well, what's wrong with bros? And <laughs> God forbid I lose, then I'm in, I'm definitely in deep trouble. So, right. you know, it's a hard position to be in, but with that pressure and that expectation, you put that hunger and that desire to never be embarrassed. Um, right. Or to never be sh- shown up, to never allow another man to impose his will upon you. And so you, those dudes can only do to you what you allow them to do. And there's only room for one of us on top of the podium. And so it's got to be me. It's <laughs> awesome. So um, I got a, this is kind of a controversial one for you. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you're going to answer. I wrote an article um, after the Worlds this year, and it applies to you because it said I, I said that a lot of American wrestlers are having the most success directly after their career. Meaning, you know, like you, yeah. you you won a title within four months of graduating college, and obviously you can't place higher than that. But then there's been other sure. guys who who have not had success, and then they don't get any better. There's been guys like Ed Ruth, uh, I'm sorry, Jake Herbert, who takes second, um, and then never improves on his finish from there. Um, and so, to me, obviously, I know folk style wrestling doesn't make you a better freestyle wrestler. But Indeed. I think there is either something about being young or something about that college grind that kind of makes you sharp. Um, or, the other or, is there's some type of failure in the American system to improve the wrestlers as they get older. And I don't want to say that about the American system because I don't, I don't know no. what it is. Well, yeah, what's your take on that? Of the last two. I think it's a combination of the last two things that you said. It's, it's the grind of the college season, then it's not a failure on the American hat they have because they're doing a good job of supporting athletes, but we're not doing a good job at necessarily improving athletes. So like we really live in a broken system in terms of our freestyle system. Um, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, but just being a freestyle wrestler, there's no structure for us. Most guys are just in an NWT or an RTC, a regional training center at a particular college, probably their alma mater because they feel such a significant, um, you know, tied to that particular program. And it's difficult because we're just extensions of the college program. Like here in Nebraska, we've got five freestyle guys, but we got 35 folk style guys. Mm-hmm. So Coach Manning and Coach Snyder, as much as they love me and care about my career, my progression, their job is to win NCAA titles and Big Ten titles and bring home national championships. And so it's difficult because we don't have the structure that the college team have. We aren't the main focus throughout the year. Just even for this next month, in preparation for the Olympic trials, our college folk style team and our college coaches are going to be preparing for the Big Tens and the NCAA championships. You know, so that's that's essentially a month before our biggest tournament of the year outside the Olympic Games. We are going to be stymied by our coaches being away for two weeks at a time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a difficult position to be in, dude. And until no we doubt. get a more centralized training system and train freestyle year-round, and have a complete commitment from everybody in the country, then it's not going to work. I mean, our system's working because guys are making money and they're taking care of their families, but 
we ain't winning. Like the last three years, we've been like seventh, ninth, and seventh, which with all the resources we have in the sport is completely unacceptable. It, it's amazing so, too because some people, and the, and the number gets thrown around. I know there's 270,000 high school wrestlers, and a lot of people I've heard a round number of a million participants in this country wrestlers at one time when you combine the youth and everything. And Russia has 50,000. All of Russia. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, you know what they do is they take their resources and they spend it on the guys that they know are capable of winning and that they know are serious about the sport. Like, there are a lot of guys, and I don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers, but that are just hanging on because they don't have anything else that they necessarily are passionate about. I agree. And That's so, why no, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right, Jordan. I mean, there, there's, there's money in wrestling now. You know, these guys can make a living. They're not, you know, they're not sleeping on a buddy's couch or anything like that. But, but it's it's a modest living. But I think I think what you're getting to, and and I agree, is that, you know, when you graduate from college and you're this heralded, you know, collegiate stud winning NCAA titles or whatever it might be, and you, you kind of turn into an oh by the way, uh, you know, it, you know, a, an augmentation to the college program where, you know, you're just a vehicle to promote the program, and yeah, absolutely. It, it absolutely. doesn't need. Like, it doesn't make scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type of situation. You know? Right. Hey, let you know, come shake some hands and kiss some babies. Say hi to this eighteen-year-old recruit while he's here. You know, <laughs> but 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 you're not you're not the focus. And Ben, I know you've got a lot of thoughts on that. I don't want to steal. Um, that. I mean, I, I think it's a financial issue, right? How you can have a centralized system without having a funding for that? And you know, that the reason guys stay at colleges is because their colleges are paying them. And uh, most of these guys aren't—they're not really making money wrestling. They're getting paid to coach, right, right. and they're not—you know—they might win which, a few. Which prize a lot bucks. of people don't want to do. Like a lot of the the young assistant, like it's 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 impossible, not difficult. It's impossible to be the best wrestler in the world and coach at the same time, mm-hmm. or, or at least or at least give a hundred percent to the both of them. It's, it's it's extremely difficult. There's too much time constraints from each of the two where you need to be particularly focused on, you know, getting better at the each of them. You can't give a hundred percent to the both. And so a lot of guys are coaching just to make money, but that's taken away from their wrestling ability. Yep. And so that's the difficulty that we have is like, that's, I mean, that's the only problem that we can identify though, is the money. Where do we get the money? How do we find the funding? And so we found funding to support USC wrestling for this long a period of time. It's like, we have a team leader every four years. There's another guy who rolls around who loves the sport and who has done really well financially. And so if we have a system in place that we potentially, you know, create and create a presentation that people think is really cool and that has the opportunity to be successful and we make it happen, I can't see anyone not backing us financially. I think it really is absolutely necessary for us to create if we want to regain our place atop the world or not. We can just keep having guys making 25, 30 grand a year and keep taking seventh place at Worlds. Yeah. And so, I mean, one, the other thing about that, and I don't know how Russia or the other countries do it, but, um, I mean that, that training system where, you know, you're the number one and say, say, let's say it's a year ago and Dake and Taylor and they're and how, and they're all training in the same room. Um, how does that work together? I mean, did you have any idea how it works together in other systems, or they just say, "I guess I'm the number two, I'm the number three, so what?" Or they don't care. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. That's that's an interesting concept. Um, because as competitive but, as you are, as much as you want to say right. I'm okay with Dake and Taylor, it's it's going to get heated when it gets heated, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think there's a method to doing it properly. If people are committed to being at this centralized training facility, then we take them. There's going to be no type of favoritism or specializing in who we cater to. Like, if you want to be the best, you train here. I remember Tommy, there was a particular time at Ohio State where there was Reese Humphrey, Logan Steber, and Sean Bunch all training mm-hmm. in the same facility. They yeah. were all successful because iron sharpened iron. Like, it really didn't matter who was wrestling who. They just knew that they were getting better because they were wrestling some of the best guys in the country. And so it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. Um, and you really got to take your pride and your anxiety and your fear of being figured out off the line and put yourself in uncomfortable situations if you want to be better. Definitely. So I, Jordan, I think that's should... Okay, go ahead, Tommy. Jordan, do you think in saying this, it's kind of a segue and one of the things we wanted to talk about, but do you think, in your opinion, and this is this is a hundred thousand feet in the air, okay? I'm not we're not talking about execution tomorrow of this of this concept, but do you think that there's merit to the American wrestling system adopting international rules at the youth level, high school level, and collegiate level? And if you do think that, you know, do you think it's realistic to implement? Uh absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's I think it's possible. The question is, I don't think folk style is so popular in this country because of its ruling system. Like, no one gets excited to see folk style just because it's such a cool sport. Like, wrestling is wrestling. If folk style changed to freestyle tomorrow, the NCAA championships will still have over 100,000 people frequently <laughs> over the weekend in Madison Square Garden. Tommy said that. I think Tommy said I, I, that you know, exact I, sentence I word that. for word. I think it's, it was word for word, that exact sentence this morning. Jet Ben, I have not verbally spoken to Jordan for years, so I gotta tell you, we did not talk, but but Jordan, yeah, we think a lot, dude. I think that was literally word for word. I think Tommy said if it was freestyle at Madison Square Garden this weekend, the NCAs would still have a hundred, you know, whatever. Nobody, nobody, (laughs) nobody nobody would drop a program. Every high school would still maintain wrestling. All the kids would still come to practice. You'd have some old school guys and some new school guys. Really, really disgruntled, and we'd be disappointing ourselves, so to speak, for a couple of years. But then everybody would get over it. The, the The gyms would still be filled. This everyone would still have jobs. The programs, the collegiate institutions, would still be supporting our sport, and we'd be a lot better off globally. And I think that we would produce heroes. We'd produce more Jordan Burrows exponentially, and, and the sport could grow from there. Absolutely, so, because people will be more interested. A lot of guys are like, eh, I don't really want to wrestle after after college. It's too big of a transition. But if you've been doing it your entire life, like it'd be the necessary progression, the next step. Like you'd be like, I'm going. I think the difficulty between the two people get lost because like there's so few spots. I mean, you look at the NFL yeah. right now, what, 32 teams? And so you've got room for heroes on every single program. But on our international senior level system, like there are only six spots. And no one really cares about two and three because they're wrestling half mm-hmm. of the year in some foreign country with a terrible feed that no one gets to watch at four and then four a.m. Well, Jimmy's over. Steber's still not online. Right. So it's it's crazy, dude. And so you think about if the NFL took all thirty-two teams and condensed them down to six, and yeah. so now you only have six quarterbacks in the league instead of thirty-two. You only have six running backs. You know, six wide receivers. And so the game changes. There will be a lot of people who are superstars now who get lost in the mix because there is someone just a little bit better 
who's a starter, someone just a little bit better who people recognize because they're on TV and they're winning these events and they're on Pro Wrestling's homepage. And so that's the difficulty, man. It's it's hard, though. Like, what do you do? Like, we've identified the problem, but what do you do? You know, you just kind of grumble about it and hope that it gets better, like by osmosis. Hmm. Well, I think I think our wrestling community domestically and globally, but domestically, is pretty fragmented. And I think that if we could all ever get on the same page, which I've never really seen, there's a lot of great people in the sport. We all know that, but you know, it would be cool to to really do something like that. It's it's so crazy. People would just you know they they just don't even consider it as an option. But what if it just happened? And I mean, in five years, I think our Olympic performance would be completely different. Ben, what do you think, man? You're a folk style scramble holic. Yeah, yeah. You know what's your what's and your freestyle, thought? Folk style, freestyle. Yeah, That's I mean, right. fr- frankly, I I was a uh, more of a freestyle guy growing up, and I mean, my high school coach loved it so much that when high school was over, we wrestled freestyle till November again, right? Until folk style started again, so we wrestled like March to November freestyle. Um, you know, and the rule changes really kind of really turned me off pretty hardcore. Um, when there were so many of them there in the mid-2000s. It was really rough. Uh, as a competitor and as a fan trying to watch it. Um, th- that being said, I I love folk style, so I have a hard time giving it up, but I also have a hard time coming up with a good argument to someone who says we should do freestyle in America. I, I, don't, have a good ar- I don't have a good argument against it, except I love folk style and I want to keep wrestling folk style. That's my <laughs> only argument. So, you know, like when you guys say it, I'm like, ah, I love folk style. I really don't want it to go away. Um, yeah, no doubt. But I don't really have a good argument why it should stay. I I, th- I would really miss riding time. You know where you Shut hook up, the, Tommy, where you, you hook the ankle. That's why you ride for three minutes. Like drop down and all that cool stuff. <laughs> guys picking out down so they won't get taken down. All that good oh stuff. Oh my god! Hey Jordan, how many how many takedowns did you have in college? Do you know that stand off hand? I I had a lot. I don't think as much as Tommy. I think Tommy <laughs> had something ridiculous. My senior my senior year though, in nineteen duels, okay, I had one hundred thirty two takedowns and I gave up zero. Oh, can you and beat that, Tommy? Goals, I can't. I can't beat that. No, I can't beat that. That's what? that's not happening. Seven hundred career though, or something. Yeah, seven hundred and five in the career. So, I was yeah. happy about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot, dude. That's that, a lot, man. I don't know if I could surpass that. That's crazy for a heavyweight, especially. So, well, I could. I couldn't ride. I didn't know how to do the uh, stall ride. So you know, I had to let heavy people... weight. You just roll them over and pin them. It's so it's the mass. They can't get the mass <laughs> off them. It's so easy. Oh, I can't believe Gwiz can't figure it out either. He couldn't even pin the Missouri guy. I'm just. It's beyond me. Uh, Gwiz can't pin anybody. It's crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, it's hard to pin. Dude. I had. I had. Oh come on. Ten pins. I had ten pins. In oh come your on. whole career. My whole entire career. Oh, oh, you guys are How many, did you get a lot of back points? I, I had a lot of tech falls. A lot of tech <laughs> falls. I, wasn't, I couldn't turn, I could ride guys, I couldn't turn them. I just like slap a deep tight waist on them and just put my belly on them, but I couldn't turn them. I wasn't, I wasn't a master oh, on man. top like Ben. Ben was, everyone was scared of Ben though. He pinned, you pinned half of the people you wrestled because they were so scared. They were just like, please pin me. Well, that, that was <laughs> the trick, right? That was the trick. Uh, they wanted to be part of history. Uh-huh. Half, that's half the deal. I really, you know, I I can't figure out, like, a David Taylor and Ed Ruth, like, how did they not pin more people? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's maybe it's right. I, was, I scared people. But for me, it's like you just lock up a cradle or, or a half or a bar. I you, think you, you got over. Some, 
I think it. you have you probably have some backwoods Wisconsin hillbilly strength the that, hillbilly that half. only the hillbilly only half. people that have wrestled you know about. That's possible. You do you absolutely? I've never wrestled you, Ben, but I hear you're you're pretty pretty got, strong. Well, 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 well. I guess that's the trick to pinning people. Um, <laughs> let's go one more question for Jordan, and then we'll let you get on your way because I know how busy you are. Um, what do you think, and I kind of brought it up in my, when I was talking about the rule changes, um, and I talked to Tommy about this this morning is, you know, they're, they're not even minor. Um, I mean, changing a one point takedown to a two point takedown when the turns are worth two point changes, the whole dynamic of the match, right? I mean, completely changes the way the match should be wrestled or can be wrestled when you're talking about defensive dumps and all that stuff. Um, so as far as the rule changes, like I'm always scared that the UWW is going to make this big rule change. Are you just like, whatever happens, I'm going to smash everybody? Are you like, why doesn't UWW get their crap together? Like, what's your whole stance or whole feeling on that? Yeah, that's you know that's interesting. That's a good that's a good question. You know, it's funny as I was actually just watching a couple of the old wrestling matches, or well, some of mine from 11 and 12 a couple yeah. of nights ago, like. The clinch, the leg clinch was the stupidest oh, rule I've ever God. seen. Like, the other guy didn't even have a shot. Like, you literally have absolutely unbelievable. no shot. And it was it was a terrible rule. But, um, you know, that's the difficult thing. And I think that's why America is reluctant to change the freestyle. Because it's like, what do we do? Do we follow UWW and say, okay, well, we're going to align with these guys and whatever their ruling system is, our ruling system is. Yeah. And we create an offshoot, something that's a little more stable, a lot less hostile in terms of the frequency of the rule changes. But, I mean, it hasn't changed so drastically that I think it's difficult for people to win. Like, there's no one who was extremely successful before the rule change that hasn't been able to transition well into the new rules. I think and it's a little and more... And vice versa, right? Yeah, and vice versa. Vice versa. I mean, it's wrestling's wrestling. You can get a takedown at any point in the match. I think... These rules play a little bit more into the American uh, base training system. You know, we're well conditioned, we're in good shape, we press the pace, we take a lot of a risk, we take a lot of shots, and so we like the cumulative score. It's not really a nickel and dime match anymore. Yeah. You can't really get snaked at the end of the period. Guys don't stall for the entire two minutes and go to the clinch. So yeah. you've really got to wrestle. The initiative's on you. The aggressor usually wins, and yeah. I, I appreciate that. And I don't that's... like that feeling matches from guys. And that's, uh, I mean, with with the new rules, like, like you said, are definitely more uh, American centric, if you if you'll use that terminology, than than they ever were before. And they're probably better than they have been, maybe ever, and at least in my memory, the, you know, I said better rules on picking who's a better wrestler. Um, I mean, would you, the, in my presidency for the for the UWW <laughs> president? I don't know if you listen to other shows. I, I suggested that we freeze the rules for like 10 years. What do you got? Support that? Hate that? What do you think? That's a long time, dude. I don't know. <laughs> ten, year, ten, years, 10 years is a long time. I think this rule system that, like, do you have any complaints with this rule system right now? Um, I, I really don't. My, my Personally, I, I don't have any problems with the rules at all. There's, I mean, I, I, I graduated from college. They started the clinch. I retired. They ended it. So I was, I was a participant in the dark ages of our rules, and I'm so envious of what, what, what we have now. There's a small rule that I hate, but I'm, but I think well, I'm. What? Beg- what do you hate? I hate that um, 
when it's tied, you don't go to overtime. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I'd go to overtime. But that's but that's just compared to what we had. Mm. I almost feel bad even bringing it up, you know, <laughs> because it's just nothing compared to pulling a ball out of a bag to, uh, yeah. to grab a leg. But you know, Jordan, that's probably the only beef I have, and I don't like the fact that we don't seed at the world events. Oh, guess, don't get unbalanced, unseeded brackets. Just and I like to hear drive you know, me up a wall. Jordan, I feel like you have the intellectual <laughs> intellectual capital. Off, no I feel like he's got the intellectual ability. What is your thought? Not you know, may, I, I I think I know your thought as an athlete, which is put anyone in front of me, I'm going to beat them. But what is your thought as as a as a fan or a consumer of the sport when we don't see the, the biggest event in the world? It needs to be seated, dude. It's it's ridiculous. Idiotic. Um, I've had like. So two examples. So at the Pan Am Games last year, I wrestled at, in Toronto at 74 kilos. And so the only two medalists, really the only two guys who had been on the world or Olympic stage were myself and Levon Lopez from Cuba at 74 kilos. And we had a bracket of maybe like 12 or 13 guys. And so with the 12 or 13 guys in the bracket, we're the only two medalists, only two proven wrestlers. We had each other the very first match. They each other the very first match. And so I'm like, this is crazy to me. This is crazy. Oh, yeah. Even at the World Championships this past year, I had to wrestle the number two ranked guy in the world in the semifinal. And well, you, yeah, you, you had the worst draw out of anybody in the tournament. Now you're the best then, guy, but you still had the worst and on, draw. And then on top side, it's like uh, Mongolia versus India. And those guys were like number nine versus like number 16. And on the bottom side is number one versus number two. Like, that's crazy. And so it's like <laughs> anticlimactic for the fans because they want to see the best guys compete in the finals. You know, imagine if that right. semifinal was a final. It would have been super exciting. But then secondarily, like, you don't give a lot of guys an opportunity to do great things. And that's what scares me going into this Pan Am Games qualifier for the uh, for the Olympics. Like, Cuba didn't have a good world championship. Yeah. And so yeah. now with a completely random draw, imagine if, you know, Bonet and Ramos are on the same side of the bracket, or Salas and Herbert on the same side of the bracket. And it's yeah. a tournament where the only qualifiers are top two. And so that stings, dude. Like, that's absolutely silly because it's either us or them. Mm-hmm. Um, and not saying that our guys aren't capable of beating them. I think they are, absolutely. But in the same token, that's a very difficult matchup. And I think it's completely unnecessary to, you know, I love Pan American countries, but, you know, is it fair that Ecuador gets a shot over? You know, a world silver medalist in Herbert. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. I don't even know exactly how they can look at this rule constantly and say, you know what, we're good. We're going to keep this in place. We're going to move forward with this next year. This thing is 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 a strong rule, and so it's wild because I think at one point they were thinking about separating the countries, so they do the top two countries from that past year's world championships, but. You know, with the ruling system in place now, it doesn't matter. So, like, essentially, what would they do? Separate me and Mongolia next year, and I still have Russia in the semifinals. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's stupid, dude. It needs oh, to make a change. That's great. I'm okay. glad you feel that way. Cool. Well, you got anything else for us? This has been fun. No, man, I'm good. I'm going to wrestle at the Pan Am Championships this weekend. And, um, and Flo's covering it live, correct? Yeah, Flo's covering it. So anyone listening to this, make sure you check us out. We're wrestling Saturday, February 27th down in Frisco, Texas at the Pan Am Championships. We've got a really solid team. And if you're in That's Texas, good. show up and cheer them on. That's yeah. right. And if you're in the area, it's like 20 minutes or 20 miles from Dallas. So, 
yeah, come check us out, man. It'll be fun. I'm excited getting prepared for the Olympic trials and ready for a great year, trying to replicate 2012 just with a little bit more dominance. Awesome. awesome. That's awesome, man. Hey, thanks so much for coming on, Jordan. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, thanks, Jordan. All right, buddy, thanks. All right, take it easy, boys. See ya. Well, that was fun, Tommy. That was awesome, man. He's, he's you know, I didn't want to say it while he's on the podcast because it's like it seems like everyone does it, but he's he's the man, isn't he? <laughs> he's, I mean, it's just like yeah. you don't want to say, you don't want to be that guy, but, I mean, He's the man. Well, I was going to talk about that. You know, last year when I, the unseated, unbalanced brackets, which are just about the stupidest thing you could ever. But I remember looking at his bracket and being like, shit, everybody good's on bottom. But then it's like, for him, it's like, eh, oh, well, he's going to beat everybody anyways. It doesn't freaking matter, you know? Right. Where some of these other brackets are like, ah, oh, how did all the good guys get on the bottom? You know, I didn't get to dive into it, but um, when, when, uh, when he did graduate, and he was a stud, but he was a college stud. You know what I yeah, mean? He was an animal. 100%. I remember that Twitter account. All I see is gold. And I remember I wasn't judging him. I wasn't saying this guy's a punk. I was just – I really was honestly saying, does he know what he is saying yeah. when he's Babe Ruth calling his shot at home yeah. play? And um, – because that, that's how it felt as a no, guy who – I mean I had the same experience, Tommy. I was – I went to Hodges, came out, didn't make the team one year, and then took seventh. Like right, for and so sake. it's just like you know, hey, I've been I've been wrestling, I've been wrestling, I've, I've traveled overseas at that time over thirty times, wrestled at the World Championships, Pan Ams, paid the price, done all these things, and this guy's calling a shot from left field as if winning a gold medal is like, you know, you can do it walking out of bed, and and I don't think it was arrogance. I think he, to his point that he made, the guy believed. I mean, yeah. he knew. Yeah. yeah. He knew he had it in him, and gosh, has he proven all of us that, that that's that's. And I, I've seen I've seen a, a calm about him when he first got on the scene compared to now, and he's just a different guy right now. He's just so much more cerebral and intelligent about pursuing his goals. It's really impressive to see how he's you know come along. So agreed. Let's get on his NWC, NWC, <laughs> NWC, because I'm on fire. I'm ready. Uh, I love it. I love it. I'd like love hold it. Let's my do tongue it, for this whole damn Burroughs interview because I always want to talk about the NWCA. All right, let's um, do it, man. Plenty of stuff to talk about. God, okay. Listen, so I got this. You saw I, I typed this up. I got this. I, I got to kind of figure it out. So um, I'm going to kind of run with it, and you just stop me where you want to stop me. Is that fair? It's fair, man. I okay. mean, I don't know what you're going to say. You kind of told me a little bit, but. I think I'm going to agree with you sometimes and disagree with you sometimes. So, okay, so first of all, we, we've been talking about this for, say, six weeks, right? Is that fair? Yeah, man. And we've been saying the top eight, right, the top eight non-Big Ten wrestle the top eight Big Ten, and they match them up, and then they go, right? Well, now all of a sudden, in the last week or so, there's this conference component, which I never realized that. I don't think you ever mm-hmm. realized that. So there's con- And that's how... Edinburgh gets in, right? And that's how App State gets in because they weren't they weren't the top eight outside the Big Ten, but I guess they win their conference so they get in. Which that's a failure of the NWCA right there. That you got to have the procedure out there and clear for everyone because we've been talking about this for six weeks. We didn't know that stuff. No. So, so what it comes down to is Virginia Tech beats NC State the last weekend of the season mm-hmm. to win the ACC championship. So I guess so. So then what it becomes is Virginia Tech is a conference champion, and NC State, although they're 22-1, and one, becomes a wild card, right? Mm-hmm. So Oklahoma State gets this match against Penn State, which I think you could 
very fairly debate that NC State should have gotten it. Anyway, so so then NC State gets Iowa, and then Virginia Tech says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're the comp- we're the ACC conference champion. We just beat North Carolina State. We should get mm-hmm. the Iowa match." And allegedly, so this is alleged. So I don't know what kind of exact conversations went on. And Tom Ryan has since denied this, but Kevin Dresser comes out and says. We were supposed to get the Iowa match, but Iowa said they don't want to wrestle us. So mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. And to me, if that's what happened, and you know, I got to believe there's at least a little bit of truth to it because, I mean, unless Kevin Dresser just made this up out of thin air, which would make him totally insane, um, there's got to be something. There. It really would make him totally insane. Totally insane. Like, did he just make this up for a freaking media purposes? Like, right. it had to come from somewhere, right? I mean, something, something had to happen there. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was as as, as uh, clear as what he said, or whether it was kind of like we don't want to wrestle him, or something, something happened. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Dresser gets crazy, goes off, and uh, and they get sent to Michigan. And then allegedly, Coach Smith, my college coach, says they don't want to wrestle in Michigan, so they go to Nebraska. So what you essentially have here is is coaches calling their shots, right? And right. another big part about this is Oklahoma and Cornell. Who uh, you know right now? Oklahoma is the fifth non-Big Ten team rankings-wise, and so they very clearly should have had a duel. But Mark Cody is the sitting NWC president, and he says he doesn't want to participate. <laughs> like this is your freaking event, yeah. And you're trying to say it means something, and you're you're not participating. You know what this felt like to me, Tommy? I felt like the kid who gets in the gets loses. By an upset, ends up in the wrestleback and says, "I don't want to wrestle. I'm taking my crap and I'm going home." Well, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, it, it's 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 bad, and you know, you you could take a, a number of approaches to this, and you know, I feel like when two really passionate, smart people get into a heated argument, which is what we have with Kevin Dresser and. And, and, and Tom Brands, Tom Ryan, whoever it is, it just seems like there's like a six way battle. You know, usually the truth is somewhere in the middle. Neither, neither person's point is 100% accurate because they're, they become so impassioned by their position that, that the truth is clouded for them. And I think the truth is in the middle of all this, which makes it sound even more vague. (laughs) But I think the problem, Ben, and I think it's always been the uh, problem. And I don't have an answer, but I, I do know okay. the problem. I, I I feel like the inmates are running the asylum, and I don't mean that derogatorily against our our, our country's best wrestling coaches, but you know you look at every other governing body: collegiate football, collegiate basketball, professional football, professional basketball, professional baseball. The, the athlete it, it is not a is not a coach run league. It's not an athlete-run league. Yes, there's prima donnas. Yes, there's people that have opinions. Yes, they voice their opinions. They are influential people. But at the end of the day, Roger Goodell and the front office at the NFL run the National Football League. And the coaches' opinions are just that. They're opinions. And right now what we have is we have all these coaches who, you know, not to reflect back from our, our episode a few weeks ago, but they are inherently biased. Yep. They They're inherently biased to what's best. What they what's best for their team, or what they think is best yeah. for their team. They and, can't. They can't. I mean, I know how much they care. I know how much Kale Sanderson cares. I know how much Tom Ryan cares. You the name the, the names go on. I know how much they care. These guys love wrestling as much as anybody on the planet. 
but they can't think about what's best for the sport and what's best for Penn State or Ohio at the same time. You can't do it simultaneously, in my opinion. It's yeah. It's it's very difficult to do. So yeah, you're gonna the muddy the, the water's gonna get muddied when we when we get into this. You know what I mean? And it's gonna get crazy like it did last week. So you got you know what you need is an independent third party to run it. And you know, at the beginning of the season or before, probably ideally before the season, all the let me top- interrupt you, Ben, and then I'll, I'll let you rant. Sure, you need an independent third party that these guys want to follow, and they don't follow just anybody. Yeah, Tom Brands and Tom—they aren't following just anybody. Yep, you know what I mean. And and that is a true challenge because these are some hard-headed, highly successful, very passionate, competitive mamma jamas, and yep. they are just gonna. They aren't going to uniform. They're just going to get in line and follow. Well, you know what I, I mean. I think so, what you do is you put you put the language in the contract so that there's a penalty for for declining the invitation, right? The, here, right? Here's the rules. Here's what we're going to do. Top eight, non top eight. Here's where they're going to wrestle, like a bout contract, right? I, I just signed a bout contract yesterday. It says here's the date, here's the weight, here's your opponent, here's your location, here's what you're going to get paid. Show up, you know, show up, blah blah blah. Right. And so you sign like a contract, right? And it says if you if you want to withdraw, you get this penalty, right? So they're facing some mm-hmm. kind of stiff penalty if they want to withdraw because they got their feelings hurt and they didn't get the pick they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think you got to have a little um, common sense. Maybe finagle the teams around if something makes more sense. I get that, but to totally have the coaches calling the shots is just—it's ridiculous. I mean, you said it. It's ridiculous. and even if. And even if it's that that's not true, that's the impression the wrestling community gets. If you took a poll and you, you said who's running this event, you would say the, the best coaches in America are running this event. That is who's running it for a fact. The, it's the NWCA, which is the National Wrestling College Association. Right. I, I guess what coaches, I meant was colleges, you know yeah. in midstream they're running it in midstream. Oh and yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. you know that's I guess that's what the point I was making. You know, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, man. I mean, it's, you know, I hate complaining about something without an answer. So, I mean, I think it's Bush League, but as a guy, I mean, I'm, I guess I just don't have enough time to follow all the details, but that's just my vantage point. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, 100%. So, we're not happy with it. It was, be- it's probably the best it's been. They got a great idea, but they, they got to tighten down the, the, the hatches a little bit. Got to tighten it yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's get into these matches. Um, I'm going to kind of talk about the important ones for forgetting them. We're not going to talk about all of them. Um, <laughs> Missouri beats Nebraska. I thought that was a good one. Um, the, the Why big, was that an important one, Ben? Well, because Missouri's ranked sixth <laughs> and because they're my alma mater. Okay. Uh, right, let's talk about the second most important one. Which oh, is no, Ohio no, State. The, well, you got to go third, right? Virginia Tech beats Michigan. That's a pretty good one. You know, I think the highlight was you had the, the, the top two ACT te- ACC teams beat the number two and three, two and three Big Ten teams. Yeah, it's a big deal. ACC Iowa would be third place in the ACC. Are you kidding me? Oh, Are you kidding me? You find a way to really make your words polarizing. <laughs> Iowa third place. In the, are you kidding me? Okay, so Virginia Tech beats Michigan. There were some really good matches. Uh, Joey Dance won in overtime in that one, and Dominic Abinader won in overtime against Zach Sabatsky. So that that was a fun one. Um, 
Then let's talk about Iowa NC State last because that was actually the most fun and competitive. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Penn State Oklahoma State. John Smith doesn't bring the starters at fifty-seven and seventy-four. Um, what do you think of that? Well, you know, you know, Kretschmer's hurt. I guess I don't know the extent of his injury, but then obviously you heard about Chandler Rogers. He upset Ethan Ramos, who is the who's the number one guy in the country on Friday, and um, he had his dad pass away on Saturday, so he had to attend to that. So I guess you know. You gotta understand that situation. Mm-hmm, there's, there's no mm-hmm. way not to. Um, Joe Smith. I don't know how injured his son is. Uh, I, you know, I have no idea. So it's hard to say in that situation. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't look good for the that this is the national championship and you're not showing up with your number one team. I mean, from the coach's standpoint, that doesn't look good. Right. Um, but that match. That honestly, I watched it. There wasn't really a competitive match throughout the whole duel. There wasn't. I mean, there just wasn't one match where it was like, wow, this one's tight. This one's exciting. Yeah, it was just, it, I mean, it was 29 to 18. It was so one way or the other. Team score wasn't bad, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, lopsided one side or the other. You had Gulaban gave Dean Heil all he wanted. That was cool. I don't see, I don't see it that way. Was well, I didn't watch it, so okay. I know, guess I'm a headline reader on that. No, you so know what? And, but that's what a lot of people are saying, Tommy. And, uh, because Gulaban was very active and he was very aggressive, and while he did come close to scoring uh, a time or two, I kind of see it as like that's what G- that's what Gulaban does, right? Against Micah Jordan, he came close to scoring but didn't score and then got scored on. Right. So um, you know he had a couple. He was aggressive. He pushed the action, but every time they were in a scramble, Dean Heil came out on top every single time. I mean, without fail. Um, Actually, let's bring up that Dean Heil lost on Friday night to Joey Ward, which, uh, you know, I think we called that one because we said when you wrestle as many close matches as Dean Heil, you're going to lose one. So he loses Joey, Joey Ward, but he beats up. I thought he beat Gilbon fairly easily. Just my take on it. Okay. Uh, so then Monday night, which why is the, why is the, why is the second duel wrestled after the championship duel? The championship duel should be wrestled as the finale to everything. But nevertheless, Iowa versus NC State is Monday night. And, Tommy, you know what? I said Iowa was going to win. But when I look at it, I said NC State's going to win Jack, Gant, Rajkoff, and Gwiz, right? Right. I said that. And then in our pickums, I picked Renda to win. You did. Which he did. So, theoretically, I was saying, without saying, that, that <laughs> NC State's going to win the match. I'm going to take credit for calling that one. So ironically, my dad was in Iowa on business, and really? he was he was in the arena. He went to watch it, and he was very complimentary of the NC State guys that lost. He yeah. said he said for an ACC team that even though they're having a great season, they don't have this you know twenty year history. He goes the way that they fought for their team was very impressive, and I thought that was a unique perspective because you want to talk about the guys that won, but. Iowa knows how to really throw it on people. Yeah. Bur- they will bury you in Carver Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. And this, this wolf pack mentality goes in there, and they're scrapping every match. Even in the matches where they're inevitably going to lose, he just said they were tooth and nail scrapping. Yeah. And that was that was the first comment he made to me, not not Gwiz is awesome or the, who's this Gant guy or I like Jack. It was the guys that lost, which I thought was an interesting comment You know, from someone who's in the arena. Yeah, and you know, you know I kind of talked about – that aspect a little bit ago when I when I went and visited, I said they had the same feel as that we had at Missouri when we were we hadn't done something special, but we felt like we were on the verge of it. 
Right. Um, and it, everyone's bought in. Everyone and you really this. felt like you were blazing a trail. Yes, 100%. And you know what? I'm getting this feeling. Like, I get goosebumps all the time when I'm watching this uh, Minnesota Keepers of the Flame. I, I, have you seen this yet? I've seen both episodes. Okay. I love these documentaries. It's that freaking Mark awesome, has. isn't it? It's incredible. It's incredible. Awesome. Yeah. But th- that's the feel I think that NC State has right now is this Minnesota team, and they're talking about they're coming up. They, they're – they want to be the national champs, and you know, but they haven't really done anything yet. And you look at these, right? uns- and you're not, we all know the the finish to the story. And you look at, I wouldn't call Tim Hartung and Chad Kraft an uns- unsung hero, but at the same time, you know, they didn't get it done, but they blazed the trail yeah. for the guys that did. And you think maybe this Tommy Gant or this uh, what's Jack's first name? Uh, Kevin Jack. Kevin Jack, or uh, certainly Gwiz. You know, they're probably not going to win the title this year. They might. But, you know, I'm, I'm saying probably not. But these are the guys that, you know, six, seven, eight years from now, if they ever get it done, you've got to say, well, they, they we're standing on their shoulders right yeah. now. So I do get the chills thinking about that stuff for yeah. sure. And it's even more like this, you know, say a Max Rajkop who is never even close to winning an Ohio State title or um, some of these other guys they have that are just kind of stepping up right. but have never really been anything. And it's, it's that power of the program right now that's, that's uh and yeah these guys are wrestling out of their minds. I mean, it's a team. I mean it's it's a it's, it's a real team. You know what I mean? And that that's cool to to see, especially with an ACC program. And then Pat Papalizio, you know, he's thirty five, thirty six years old, and he's the, he's the new guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that you know what honestly, Penn State kind of has that same feel still right now. Um, even though they've they've won a few titles, I know they didn't win last year, but. Um, Man, you know that's how Nolf and and really their whole whole lineup top and down, but Nolf and and Rutherford really personify that intensity, that hunger for just domination, just going out there and kicking butt and taking names. They just want to put points on the board. You know, they, they're they're not out there to try to crush your soul, and you know they, and they've been crushing some souls. You see these dudes? They have been, but they're just <laughs> not there to. They're, they're, I think the Pat. I was text. I have a I have a group text of some buddies. Mitch Clark's on it. Johnny Clark. Blake Kaplan, Casey Kaputska, guys that wrestled in the Big Ten, and um, and and we were saying that uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about, Ben? You talk about what, what Penn State does special. Oh yeah, it was they don't crush souls; they score points. But I think they've crushed some souls. I mean, yeah, it's just not damn. Their, their intention is to just you know win, but but they've been. What well, my point was on the text. I said Penn State's been the most exciting wrestling team to watch the past six years, and that's tough to say coming from a Buckeye. You know, mm-hmm. as biased as I am, it's hard for me to admit that uh, they're not the most exciting team, you know. Yeah, and I, I'm going to get into this. I, I told you before we got on the podcast, I, I wrote this article on which team peaks the best. Um, and I had this list. Yeah, I, I, wrote it, I wrote it next week, brother. Well, I'm going to I'm going to intro it. And I'm going to okay, bring yeah. it back up. But we yeah. can't we can't take all the good content and put it in one night, you know. Of course, of course. So <laughs> I did it two years ago. I redid it last year. I just did the standings from last year. So. I take what their seat is versus how they place, right? And um, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with what kind of mood the team is, right? What kind of feeling there is? What kind of belief is there in the program? Um, and, at you know, the end of the year or just generally speaking? Well, you know, it, it, it all it all builds up. I mean, for I know from when I was at Missouri, it was like a snowball for us. Right. You know, and that's kind of like what I think it's – once, once you, especially with these newer programs, but I feel, I feel like Penn State has this feeling going on too now because I mean they are starting a lot of freshmen. But once you start, you kind of believe, right? But you haven't done it yet, and then you start winning some of these little battles, and you start believing more, 
And then you win some bigger battles. And then you believe more. You know, I mean, think about how hard NC State guys believe in their program. They beat Oklahoma State this year. They beat Minnesota. They beat Iowa. They beat Missouri. Right? And so this belief just kind of snowballs. And when you hit the NCAAs, you're just ready to scrap. I mean, you're you're not thinking about anything. You're not worried about anything. You just want to wrestle. Um, And I think, uh, you know, not to get too deep into it, but I think, you know, You'll see next week who performs, who doesn't perform, and you can kind of, at least as a as a very vigilant observer, I can see which of these teams kind of had that feel and how they performed according to that. I think it's a really interesting conversation. I can't wait to dive into the details next week because, you know, it's so fun to talk about people that, that rise to the occasion when it matters the most, and mm-hmm. people, teams, you know, whatever it might be, and there's so many dynamics Ben, that go into performing when it counts and and boy does it ever count in march and so i'm excited i think the whole episode should be you know stepping up in the moment of truth you know the whole episode should be about getting it done at the end of the year you know we've got high school kids all across the country chasing down their dreams as you know state championships and stuff so it's just a great topic to kind of dive into the details 100 percent um so let's hit we're we're getting long now i think we're going uh past the hour mark we're at an hour. Which, whatever, that's great. Um, we have, but but with Burroughs on there, I mean, yeah, you don't cut him off, obviously. No. And we, there's so much news to talk about. So of course, so uh, let's talk about these pickums. Oh jeez, here we go. And then I don't think we can do any this week. I thought about asking you which one to do, but there's there's not really any big division one matches. There's no division one matches. So what maybe, we should do is we should pick conference champions going into the conference championships next week. Okay, so we can do that next week. Um. Yeah, we do. So I I beat you again this week, Tommy. Just FYI. <laughs> um, Avery versus Quartz did not happen. There was no match there, so no winner. Um, Maze versus Souflone went to double overtime. You picked Maze. I picked Souflone. He won it. Renda versus Brooks. We talked about that one. I took Renda. You took Brooks, and then you beat me on um, Walls versus Coon. So. Uh, I got two that week. You got one. And okay, I, so what's our score up to now? So then that makes the score five to three over the uh, over the first two weeks. And so I think I think we should do conference champions in the Big Ten. What other conference do we want to pick? You want to pick I mean, the ACC or the we could do the MAC that has we do the MAC Missouri in it. Yeah, yeah, we'll do the MAC and the Big Ten. Or we okay. could do all of them, but that'd be a lot. But sure. Let's so, do the Mac and Big Ten. That's twenty picks. Sure, that's a, damn. That's a lot of picks. That sounds like fun to me. Um, and you and and it's not one or the other. It's you got to pick a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Okay. Uh, and our guest next week is going to be none other than uh, Hodge Trophy front runner. Maybe not front runner. I think he's the front runner. He is a front runner. A front runner. A contender. Yeah. Alex Deringer. So he's going to be on with us. He's actually. Um, from Wisconsin, Tommy. Landed. Do you think he has the backwoods hillbilly strength? That I, I've have? actually heard Chris Perry told me that Alex Deringer is the strongest person he's ever wrestled with. So we should, we maybe should there's something. Like, come test the water or something. We should get that Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson, the famous physicist that wrestled at Harvard, the double title wave lock or whatever the hell he was talking. We about. should get him on the show and see if he can just can explain to us. What it means to have hillbilly like that corn-fed strength? We've all grabbed them, and I think you got that. I watched you on that video crush two watermelons at the same time. 
You're not built like a guy that can do that, Ben. Listen, but you, you know, but you do it anyway. You know what your mom told you when you were six, Tommy? You don't judge a book by the cover. <laughs> actually, actually, one of my coaches, Sean Charles, he gave me some good advice. He said, Ben, when you're watching international film, if it looks like the guy sucks and you're wondering how he's good, he's really, really effing strong. <laughs> you know? Because I'm watching some of these films. I'm like, this guy plays in the world, but he sure looks like a bum. Listen. You know, and he's like, he's like, listen, I've been overseas a lot. If oh the yeah. guy looks like he sucks, but he's a world placer, he's just really insanely strong. I lost to a guy that duct taped his ankles with duct tape, <laughs> not athletic tape. Shut up. Oh yeah. The dude was good, man. You know, you know what it's like over there with those Russians. When they do the cold spray. Oh god, the cold spray. Don't or they wa- they walk out there with singlets that don't fit them. Uh-huh. You know, they're all like loose and baggy around their thighs, and then they go out there and hit like seventeen firemen's carries. <laughs> it's such it's 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 like an out of body experience when you go to Russia sometimes. Not because of how good they are; they're good. Don't get me wrong, but like it's like bizarre. It's almost kind of yeah. like dreamy when you're you're running around these mats. It's like twenty six degrees. There's no heat in the room. Like the the mats are all crinkled up. The the canvas is all crinkled up. It's like worse than a. It's it's worse than like a, a really rough rug from ni- the nineteen sixties and stuff. And you're wrestling dudes that are better than anybody in America. You know, it's just so bizarre to go over there. Seriously. Anyways, we should have an episode about that too. Oh man, I mean, we we need to get one of those old timers to tell some real real stories. I've I've heard some good ones. Um, okay, well, we'll, we'll wrap it for tonight, Tommy. All right, brother, I'm in. I mean, it was a good episode. I I thought that was one. That was probably one of my favorites. Nice, Jordan. Yeah, Jordan was fun. Um, all right, well, thank you, Defense Soap, again, for making this possible, making this free for all our listeners. Uh, you guys, stop by. they got great products. Defense Soap, defend what you have built. Have a great night, Tommy, and we will talk next week. Thank you, my brother.